Welcome to the Church and Culture Podcast, a weekly discussion with Dr. James Emery White on the latest trends happening in culture and where and how the church should respond. Jim is the founding and senior pastor of Mecklenburg Community Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, president of Serious Times, a ministry devoted to exploring the intersection of faith and culture, former professor of theology and culture at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, where he also served as their fourth president, and the author of more than 20 books. I am your host, Alexis Dry, and I can't wait to dive into this week's conversation. Well, welcome back to the Church and Culture Podcast. For today's conversation, we're going to revisit a paradigm that we've touched on a handful of times in different conversations, which is to ask the question, is it okay for a Christian to, and then you can fill in the blank. If you scroll back through some previous episodes, and I'm sure we'll include links for them in the show notes, you'll find a few episodes where we answered questions like, is it okay for Christians to do yoga or smoke marijuana and drink wine and a handful of others? Um, Now, yoga, marijuana, alcohol, those are fairly common cultural practices, but today we're going to talk about, is it okay for a Christian to be cremated? That seems a bit unlike those other topics, but I think, or at least I hope, that what we'll see in today's conversation is that this topic of cremation actually touches on something that I think hits a little bit more close to home. So first, let's revisit that framework again, though, Jim, because I think that would be helpful in case um, a, a listener hasn't had a chance to listen to any of those others. So can you talk a little bit about how we can determine whether something is okay for you to do as a Christian, at least in a general sense, before we tackle cremation specifically? Yeah, there's kind of a matrix I've taught for several years, um, uh, and uh, I've gone, gone through verbally with people, or I've sketched it out visually with people. There's all kinds of ways, but here's the gist of it. You begin by going to the Bible. I mean, and we're obviously we're talking about is it okay from a Christian perspective? So you start with the Bible as a Christian. Uh, if you want to uh, want to know whether something is okay for a Christ follower, you start with the authoritative guide for Christ following. Uh, when you do, you'll find that the Bible gives you one of three answers. Almost every time. Uh, permission to do that. A prohibition not to do it. Or just basic life principles that you apply to freedom. If blanket permission is granted, uh, you're done. Your investigation is complete. You're free to partake or pursue. Um, if there is a direct prohibition, then you are not. Uh, but most of the time, particularly in regard to many of the issues that are puzzling uh, Christians in our culture, there is neither a blanket permission or blanket prohibition. More often than not, the answers are thrown into kind of the freedom category that you then have to apply principles, biblical principles on. But again, that means it's not a cut loose freedom. It's freedom within the confines of a set of biblical principles. In other words, everything the Bible would give about life and doing life. And those principles form kind of the boundary lines that are freedom within which our freedom is exercised. So is that the end of it? You know, you just, you know, pursue the freedom you've been given in light of the principles of the Bible. The answer is no. Um, There is another kind of step, and that is moving into the wisdom camp. Uh, While you and I, for example, may have joint freedom in Christ on a particular issue, it might be foolish for me to do something that would not be foolish for you. We all have backgrounds and we have dispositions, we have histories, we have inclinations, we have strengths, we have weaknesses. Um, Less sophisticated than that is just common sense wisdom. Just because you're free to do something doesn't mean it's smart. 
Um, you know, you may be free to get that tattoo saying, I love Samantha on your arm at 16, but that may not be smart when you start dating Sarah at 17, or you want to marry Sharon at 23. So uh, finally, there's a consideration of living out our lives before a watching world. And uh, this is actually a lot more specific than a lot of Christians think. Uh, the Apostle Paul gives two primary um, guidelines. First, don't do anything that would lead the world to believe you have disavowed Jesus uh, and that you worship another God. Uh, so that's pretty, you have to do something fairly extreme for that. And second, he, he says, don't exercise your freedom in a way that would lead a fellow believer to uh, in close proximity into sin themselves. So we can call those watch your witness and watch other people's weakness. Uh, that's the gauntlet you run the questions of life through. Now, let me just quickly say, those are very specific. It's not about, okay, you can't do that if you offend a brother, you know, or something, or they just don't agree with you. That's not causing someone to stumble. This was very specific. So all of that sounds relatively simple and straightforward, but um, knowing how to do that and navigating that and actually working that kind of, you know, matrix is uh, one of the principal lifetime goals and pursuits of discipleship, quite frankly, and few invest the time and the energy needed to really engage its dynamics. Mm. Awesome. That was helpful. Um, so let's talk now about cremation, which is not something I usually find myself saying, but anyways. Oh, wait, wait till you get a little older, young lady. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Well, the practice of cremation is is actually relatively new if you consider the entire span of human history. But it's actually become now the preferred form of what the funeral industry refers to as disposition. Um, and that's just more in more familiar language. That's just how we want to handle our bodies when they're dead. So can you talk a bit about why you think cremation is kind of all of a sudden so popular? Well, let me quibble a little bit on one thing that you said. I, I would, I'm not sure it's accurate to say that it's a new practice in terms of human history. It's recently burst onto the American scene, but it is it is not new to the historical scene. Goes long back in countries such as India, and we have records of cre cremation dating back at least seventeen thousand years. Mm -hmm. Throughout human history, you really kind of have two tracks depending upon where you lived in the world. You have both burial and cremation pretty much running side by side as ways of dealing with the dead. Um, what you find are different theologies and worldviews and religious ideas and cultural practices dictating which of the two would be used. So, for example, the ancient Egyptians, they would not cremate their bodies because they believed that the body was essential uh, for the transmigration of the soul, uh, which was why they practiced mummification uh, and entombment. Uh, as for its, and then, of course, in India and in Hindu society, I mean, it was cremation is the means of choice. So in, there's two ancient societies both doing it different ways based on worldviews and ideologies. As for its reintroduction into society, um, particularly in the West of late, uh, there, there were two waves. Um, the first was in the 19th century, roughly. And, uh, and again, I'm speaking for the Western world. And then the second wave is what's happening, I would argue right now, kind of, which is why we're talking about it. Uh, the 19th century resurgence of cremation was largely due to the rise of secularism. Uh, the whole purpose of avoiding cremation and uh, going with a burial was so that you could have a, a traditional Christian burial ceremony. 
and be buried in a Christian cemetery. And, um, uh, but when secularism began to rise, I mean, that wasn't a motivating factor anymore. Then there is the rise in cremation we're seeing right now. Uh, and it's real stunning. If it started kind of in the 19th century, it's like spiked of late. It's now more popular than a traditional casket burial. It's twice as common as it was two decades ago. Cremation is now America's leading form of final, as you say, disposition. Uh, by 2040, it is projected that four out of every five Americans will choose cremation over a casket burial. So 80%. Hmm. So what's driving this? Um, well, I think several factors. Uh, as I mentioned, the rise in popularity, I think, can be attributed to people not caring about for uh, a Christian service or a Christian burial or a religious service of all at all. You have the rise of the nuns. And uh, and so that whole uh, religious dynamic is, is not as strong and doesn't affect as many people. I think another issue is the and, and this is one that's really interesting to me. Uh, that I don't think there's been an, an, a lot of reflection on in terms of its ramifications in a lot of areas. So let's just raise it for this one, but it can be applied to a lot, is the increasingly transitory nature of our existence. Uh, we don't have roots. Hmm. We don't have a home. We don't have a place deep enough that we would want to be buried there. We, in fact, we if we thought about burial, we'd be hard-pressed to figure out where we would want to be buried. And so one of the things about ashes is that you can have them with you in your home, have an urn in your home, or you can take them to a place like Disney World where you had a fun memory or water or ocean. In other words, you're not looking for a plot of land where there's roots and where that land means something to you, that place means something to you, and you could actually put a body there. We just don't have that for many people. There, there is that, that lack of home, a lack of place. But I think the main reason may be... <laughs> Um, it, just the high cost of traditional burials um, and cremation is just so much cheaper, thousands and thousands of dollars cheaper. Um, with cremation, I mean, you're not buying a casket and caskets are kind of like, okay, like what kind of car do you want? You want to spend 3000 or 30000 I mean, you can spend so much money on that. You have to have the burial plot and the land and you, you pay a lot for that because it's in perpetuity and, and, and headstones and so many different things that are associated with this. You have to work with even more with a funeral home and, and the body has to be prepared a certain way. And, and it's, it's just more expensive. Mm -hmm. And so, um, uh, so I think that if you were to just kind of add all this up, I mean, it's vastly cheaper. Those who are left behind find it easier to deal with the body in many ways. There's no sense of place for a lot of people for burial. And there are fewer people connected with churches in order to conduct a formal burial service. So I think those are all reasons why it has become so popular. I hadn't considered that idea of us not having roots before. But yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that is worthy of some deeper reflection there. I, I was reading a little bit more about cremation. Um, again, not something I thought I'd be reading about, but um, in the Washington Post. And, and the writer of that article, he put forward the idea that cremation is rising in popularity because so many of us are uncomfortable with death and we want to dispose of the memory of it as quickly as possible. In fact, they interviewed one funeral director, his name was Thomas Lynch, um, and he said, People want the body disappeared, pretty much. I think it reminds us of what we lost. I found that really interesting. Like, why would we not want to remember the people that we lost? I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, I remember reading that. We were article swapping, I think, a little bit in preparation for this. I read that one, too. Um, yeah, some would say it's become we have we have become death phobic. Uh, you know, I, I think that that's that's that was a fair cultural observation. And, and I think the reason is simple. Whether people are conscious of it or not, but in a secular world. There's no hope. Uh, there is no secular comfort in death or dying. If you really do believe that's it, if, if that's the end, then death is 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 a horrific thing in the worst. I mean, it's horrific anyway. But I mean, but take hope out of the equation as well. Um, not, but that's not so for the Christian. It's, it shouldn't be. Uh, I do see increasing number of Christians have an attitude toward death and dying that is more secular than it is sacred. Mm-hmm. But um, but. If you go back in, in, in church history, early on, Christian burials were marked by joyous celebrations. They were marked by these joyous celebrations due to belief uh, in bodily resurrection. And that's why grave sites, you know, a lot of people don't know what, what where do we get our word cemetery? It, it's the old word cemeteria. And, and it means resting place because there really was this sense of a deep belief in resurrection. That was all this cemetery is. It's a resting place. We're here for a party looking forward to the resurrection and reunion. The earliest Christian cemeteries uh, near Rome uh, were first filled with Christian martyrs. Hmm. And they, that made them hallowed ground uh, and places of devotion and meditation. You would go there for like your quiet time. You would go there for as a special sacred place, like you were entering a cathedral. Um, but the, the, but if you want to kind of start to see the seedbed of the secular drift or infiltration, even within the history of the church, uh, consider that Christian funerals were originally, initially occasions of joy, joy. Like you're just so happy. You're sad for the group. But you're so happy for them. You know, that they're, they're, they're with Jesus. Um, and so they were, they were occasions of joy, uh, in light of the second coming of Christ, the resurrection of the body, eternal life in heaven, you know, and those present always wore, get this, you would always wear white to a funeral. Hmm. You would never wear black. Why would you wear black? That, that's like, that's a secular. No, no, you would wear white and always conduct a funeral in the middle of the day at its brightest, where the sun is at its brightest. Hmm. But by the 8th century, even that early on, it started to change. And as more nominal Christianity began to take hold culturally, and then funerals became marked by grief, and people in attendance would wear black and would have periods of mourning. And um, and so, uh, but today, in a post-Christian world, death is just simply met with despair. So, And since if there is no hope, if there is no resurrection, you know, Paul writes, we're to be pitied above all people. Well, you can understand why a secular person who feels there is no restriction, why would you want to focus on death? Why would you want to be reminded of this? So you do everything you can to be um, death averse. Hmm. That funeral history is fascinating. I did not know that. I, I feel like that's something I would love to, for lack of a better term, resurrect in terms of our funeral uh, funerals today. That's, yeah, that's a very beautiful and different way of what is usually a very, yeah, tragic, I wouldn't even say celebration, but I guess ceremony. 
Um, well, so something that's always intrigued me as I've kind of thought about this as a Christian, and maybe that's kind of where I should have clarified earlier that I feel like it's more mo- it's more modern in terms of Christian history. Um, this idea of cremation is is because it does provide or maybe sets up a tension with some Christian beliefs. Because for the longest time, you can correct me if I have got this wrong, but I would say Christians resisted it because, or some at least, because of the view of the sanctity of the body. And so the big theological question is, you know, is the body just as sacred when it's dead as when it is alive? Now, can you contribute a little bit to that? You know, and, and, the, and you know, theologically, it's kind of yes and no. Yeah. Um, yeah let's, let's, dig in, let's dig into that because it's a, it's a great question. Um, and it is kind of the heart of the question in many ways, you know, of, of the Christian cremation. While cremation is central to Hindu and Buddhist practices, um, Judaism, Catholicism, and Islam, the three great monotheistic faiths, if you will, have historically resisted cremation due to the sanctity of the body and of the spirit in death. Uh, in truth, there is no inherent tension within the Christian faith regarding cremation. Uh, there are hardly any references to it in scripture. You only have two instances of cremation mentioned in scripture. You have the cremation of Saul, uh, King Saul, in uh, 1 Samuel um, 31. <laughs> we'll, we'll get that one in the show notes. I'm pretty sure it's for Sam. The end of, yeah. But anyway, the death of Saul, that was cremation. And then you've got some references in Amos, um, in the um, uh, in a couple of references in Amos. Um, and, um, and, 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 and none of these references, none of them, uh, denounce or forbid the practice. And which certainly could have been in scripture. That was the Holy Spirit's desire. Mm-hmm. It's not there. Um, but it was far from normative uh, as burial was the standard practice. Again, this was in honor of the sacred nature of the body. So where does that leave us? Um, while few Christian denominations or groups denounce it. I mean, you don't find any, hardly any Christian groups or denominations have any kind of official denunciation of cremation. I mean, it, they'd be hard pressed to because there's nothing in scripture about it. Um, I would argue that there should at least be thoughtful reflection before embracing it. Uh, if for no other reason than the rich Christian tradition and meaning surrounding it. Uh, the history of the Christian church is not normative, but it's informative. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the authority of the Christian faith is a triune God is revealed in scripture is conveyed in a heritage as made real. You know, and so you, you progress down the authority scale and there is a place for what has been the norm throughout Christian history. So I, I would argue to, to, for some thoughtful reflection before embracing cremation, again, if for no other reason than the rich Christian tradition meaning surrounding it. From the beginning, contrary to the Greek and Roman practice of cremation, and both of them practiced cremation, uh, Christians went against that and buried their dead. Cremation was not forbidden, let's be clear, mm-hmm. but burial in the earth was always preferred. The corpses were treated with great care and respect because of the conviction that the physical body was also the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, that person had gone, the spirit had gone, but it was in reverence to what that body had meant while that person was living, that it was the temple of the Holy Spirit for that, that you treated it reverentially. Um, In other words, even after death, the body wasn't just a body. 
So should someone embrace cremation or burial? Well, for the Christian, there's freedom. There's freedom. Uh, while Christian tradition, as well as the narrative sections in Scripture, clearly favors burial, the typical person who died in the Bible, who is a God follower, was buried, uh, nowhere is cremation either forbidden or condemned. Mm. So there you have it. Mm. Okay, well, related to this is the need to understand like what happens to our bodies after we die. Cause we do read in scripture that we will receive new bodies in heaven, but those bodies will be recognizable to others. So in other words, like I think we can believe that they will be new and improved, but they're not going to be entirely different from our current bodies. First of all, I guess I would ask, do I even have that correct? And then second, like, what would you say to someone who is, is worried or is wondering if the state of their resurrected body is going to be dependent on what they did with their body when they died? Yeah. Well, I, you do have it correct. I mean, I, I would I would say that you have it correct. Um, our bodies will be like the resurrected body of Jesus. That's, that's what it will be like. Um, when we are resurrected, we will be given new bodies that will never die, but it will be our original bodies that will be resurrected and perfected. The resurrection will be both literal and physical. Uh, our bodies, just like Jesus's, will be real, visible, able to be felt, recognizable. Um, but as eternal resurrected creatures, we'll also have new capacities. Uh, again, Jesus, after his resurrection, he could pass through doors and pass through walls and all kinds of things. Uh, but the key... Um, and uh, and that was not being done as a miracle. That was just his new resurrected state. I mean, which was itself a miracle. But you know what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. He could have walked through walls before his resurrection right. if he wanted to, because he you know he could do anything he wanted. But the key to the but it seemed to be more an inherent trait with the resurrected body. But the key to the relationship between our physical bodies now and our physical bodies after we're resurrected is less the um, material identity but more of the individuality and personality and memory. Mm -hmm. um, it's even said that in heaven, we will not be married or given in marriage. And so even that relationship won't exist in heaven, but we'll be like the angels, it says. So that's another hint of what our bodies will be like. Um, that seems to indicate that the sexual drive, for example, of our bodies that exists now will not even be there in heaven. Mm. We'll be, um, uh, but nowhere is there anything, and I mean anything that the state of that body is affected by the state of our bodies at death. This goes beyond cremation. Let's say you died in a terrible car accident that involved dismemberment or a beheading. Uh, the joy of the resurrection is that you'll be raised from that death in a perfected, resurrected body that will live on for eternity. So the state of your body, and, and let's play this out, the age of your body, none of that will be relevant. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, you know, Heck, I died at 98 and I look terrible. You know, this is what I'm going to be like for eternity. No, no, no. Get that out of your head. Many accidental and tragic deaths result. Actually, and let's play the cremation thing. Many, many accidental and tragic deaths result in cremation. Uh, the bodies burn like when someone dies in a house fire or, or those killed in 9-11 uh, or a plane crash or they drown in the ocean and they're decomposed and uh, I'm not trying to be morbid. It's just that how we die or the state of our bodies at death does not dictate to the wonder and miracle of our resurrection as Christ followers. Mm -hmm. um, there is nothing about the resurrection of the body that is affected by whether that body is cremated or buried or deformed or damaged 
or lost limbs or, you know, any of those kinds of things. God is most certainly able to resurrect the body of, for example, a martyr burned at the stake every bit as much as the person buried in the ground. Even if buried, let's not forget, our bodies will decompose over time. And what will be resurrected will be anything but a carefully preserved decaying corpse. So, you know, we, we're, we're good. <laughs> Something that you said reminded me. So my oldest daughter, she loves to think about heaven and talk about heaven and what it's going to be like. And we were talking about heaven recently and she kind of like interrupted me for a second as she was processing something. And she said, hold on a second. Are you telling me I'm going to have an old person's body for all of eternity? <laughs> so I think she will find your words very encouraging that no, that's not exactly going to be the case. Um, but anyways, I wanted to actually bring in something that you talked about when you talked about this um, in, in a sermon series at Mech, because um, quite surprisingly to me, you had focused your answer to this question about you know whether it's okay to be cremated, not as much. I mean, you did touch on whether... For like the perspective of someone who is the person who is dying, but you actually talked a lot about um, not so much on that person, but rather on those that they leave behind and what this might mean for them. So can you expound on that a, a bit more? Well, I mean, speaking pastorally, um, having presided over more funerals than I would ever want over the decades, I, I think that, you know, I would, I would, kind of offer the following consideration. Um, you know, I mean, the headline is you should do really everything about the funeral, the, the burial, the crew, whatever. It, it's not about what I want for myself one day. It should be what, what is going to be best for those I leave behind. I'm not going to care. I'm going to be dead. I'm going to be gone with, I'm going to be in, I'm finally going to be with the father in that sense. I, I just, and so I'm not going to care. <laughs> I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be fine. It's the people left behind. So I would, I would offer a, a few considerations first. I think in most cases, this is, again, I'm talking, I'm talking observationally as a pastor who's just worked with a lot of grieving people. Um, in most cases, it helps the grief process to view the body. It brings a sense of finality. It brings a sense of reality, um, a final goodbye, if you will, uh, an understanding this has really happened. There's something about seeing the body that I have seen that is helpful for, for the average person. Um, and uh, that does not necessarily mean it has to be an open casket funeral but at least maybe a time of viewing uh, for the immediate family. Uh, a second thing I would say is that even though, as I mentioned, we live in a very transient society, um, I think that's all the more reason why place does matter. Uh, an actual burial site creates a sacred space, even if it wasn't sacred before, even if that city didn't mean anything to you before, that place. Uh, the burial site creates a sacred space. It creates a rootedness. It creates something that is that is transcendent, um, that serves those connected to the dead. Uh, one funeral home executive I read said something along the lines of, you know, we've got to do a better job 
informing people that there's a time to say goodbye and a place to say hello. Mm. Uh, the moment you scatter someone, referring to cremation, you're done. Um, that people need, they find out later, a memorial uh, to be remembered. And, I, and you know, just, just speaking personally, I, I you know, I, um, my wife lost her mother to Alzheimer's, uh, death as a result of Alzheimer's a few years ago. And um, uh, my father-in-law, her dad, uh, adored his wife. And he, 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 strong Christian man, and cared for her throughout her two plus years of really with that disease in a way that you, you know, would eclipse anything that could ever be captured in a love song or a movie. His selflessness, his devotion to her, and, and, and uh, it, it marks me to this day how he loved her. And if, you, if you've been through Alzheimer's, you know what it's like to care for someone with Alzheimer's. I mean, it's, it's, the epitome of selflessness mm. to do that. But he did to her very dying day. Um, and, um, and I have seen for him how meaningful it has been to have a place to go. He knows she's not there, mm -hmm. but a place to go, to sit, to reflect, to curate her memory, mm. to, 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 to just uh, the, that place matters. And another kind of speaking personally, you know, um, you know, our kids, um, we had a, another death in our family recently um, related, a uh, little more distant, but someone we interacted with on a regular basis and it affected our whole family. It was a, it was a, um, oh, it was the, it was the father of my daughter-in-law. And, um, and it set off a lot of things with our kids saying, you know, once again, they're, they're, they're so gentle and kind and sensitive. They said, Hey, you're not getting any younger. And when you die, what, what, you got to give us a plan. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, uh, but I, but I remember Susan and I were talking about it and, um, well, what, you know, what do we want? And I remember Susan said something. She says, you know, I used to be thinking, well, let's just get cremated. And, you know, it, you know we don't want a lot of fuss and all that stuff. But she said, you know, if, if, if you were to precede me, she says, I think I'd like a place. Mm. And the way she just said it, I, th I think I would need a place or I'd want a place. You know, and I, and I, I think that that's, a, that's, that's, that's important to think through pastorally and spiritually for yourself and for others. Another thing I would say is that, um, you know, there's much to be said for what takes place with a Christian burial. I mean, going full out with a Christian burial, a real sense of closure. Uh, the symbolism of being buried in view of rising again. It's almost like a baptism symbol. Mm -hmm. uh, the prayers, the reading of scriptures, the gathering of community. Um, there is something that lost if you don't uh, kind of baptize the body into death the way they had been baptized into life mm. while alive. So practically, I would say if cremation is chosen, uh, delay it, maybe. Perhaps mm. have a viewing of the body beforehand. Um, and then maybe even witness the cremation itself as part of that closure. And the ashes, rather than simply 
strewn over the water or in the wind could be entombed or buried. You could have a place uh, with some kind of marker or memorial. And there should most certainly be a Christian service of some kind surrounding it and embracing it all. Because the goal is not simply to dispose of a body, much less to save money. The goal is to serve the grieving at the time of death and also to serve them weeks, months, and even years later in terms of how that was handled, in terms of remembering, celebrating, memorializing the life that had been led and the role that person played in their life. And to honor the body that truly was the temple of the Holy Spirit and one day will be resurrected. Hmm. I didn't think I'd so enjoy a conversation about cremation, but I really have. Thank you. I didn't leave anything out that you wanted to talk about, did I? Um, you know, I mean, I mean, no. Okay. Okay. Well, um, thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Jim, for this conversation. And as always, like, I think I, I say this every week. We hope you'll tune in again, again next week for another, what I'm sure will be surprising yet delightful conversation. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see you then. <laughs>